Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hey, this is Sean Johnson of the Big Band Experience, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. Kathy told me that I'm the best. I believe her. You should, too. Today's topic is being your true self. What does it mean to be your true self? Well, in today's episode, we're going to explore that. How can you be authentic without being embarrassed? How can you deliver authenticity without being disrespectful to others? I grew up in a small town in southwest Iowa. I talk about it a lot, Clorinda. People were hometown. Everyone knew everything about everybody else. We knew the idiosyncrasies of each other, and sometimes they were accepted and sometimes not. I think back about some of my personalities, oddities that were developing within me in those formative years. Well, in junior high, I was the worship leader at my church. My family was very God-oriented, so our lives focused around Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday church services. I went to youth events and worked on my music. At school, I didn't fit in. Popular kids were dating, but I didn't go to movies or dances. I didn't drink, smoke, or do drugs, so I was found rather boring. It just made me dive into my beliefs at a deeper level. I spent my free minutes working on writing music in the music room and singing and reading. I shared a locker with an odd duck named Diana. She was very quiet and sweet. She smoked like a steam engine. When we were in ninth grade... I was 5'4", and she was about 6 feet, and she would hang up her coat next to mine every day, and I would smell like cigarettes. One day I was very bold, and I brought a roll of tape and some little note cards with scripture verses and inspirational sayings. I taped those up to the door on the inside. That afternoon, while I opened the door and cigarettes rolled out, Diana said, Hey, thanks for putting up those words. They helped me. I was known as the churchy girl. Instead of hiding it, I embraced it. I prayed over people. I smiled a lot. You know what? I won the Gleam Team Award from Tom Snyder in senior, um, I guess it was probably 12th grade because I was smiling all the time. I sang in the band room when we had study halls. I walked through the halls singing and I was not ashamed. From 10th grade to 12th grade, the basketball teams asked me to pray over them before they played. But I was weird. That's how I was wired. I continued to find myself throughout the next 20 years. As a musician, I found that I could express my music without fear. Every single song given to me was something that needed to be told, a story. A story that had to get from me to the listener, so I worked really hard. Days and nights after school, I'd stand in front of the mirror and practice my jingles. I'd sing Burger King. I'd say the Yucca Doo Shampoo commercial, or I'd recite the Folgers jingle. People knew who I was, and after a while, what didn't make sense became clear. I was just who I was. Music, jingles, reading, writing, praying. They all began to fall into place and make up who I am today. So, listener, who are you today? Are you hiding? Do you have gifts and talents that are hidden in the back corners of the closet of your heart? Are you speaking truth, expressing ideas? I remember being pushed for my odd persona when I was in 12th grade. 
I went to visit my boyfriend at the time, Steve, which, by the way, Steve grew up to be a producer of music and jingles. Interesting, right? Anyway, there I was at his school waiting for him. I was who he knew I was, a singer, a musician, fearless when it came to music, and I walked down the halls of Red Oak, Iowa's high school, singing some little ditty, quietly. People looked at me. I didn't care. I was just singing. It just was who I was. Well, the boyfriend came out of chemistry class and said, Are you singing? I am so embarrassed. People are talking. Needless to say, we did not stay together much after that. You have to be with people who accept you, love you for yourself, and encourage you, like Farmer Dean does to me. He's always about saying, Hey, sing it, say it, write it, pray it. I like that about Farmer Dean. As we think about this topic today, I have to tell you that a month ago, I was with Dean and our friends Carla and Craig Johnson. We love them. They're fun to be with. We went to the Barn Theater in Wilmer, Minnesota to see this up-and-coming phenomenon, Sean Johnson, big band experience. No, not any relation to our friends. But after we heard him, we wished that he was. The first thing the four of us noted after we met him was he's unique, he's creative, he's different, and he's embraced it. When on stage, we grasped the unique concept within a few minutes of watching him. He's gathered who he is, added a dash of Elvis Presley's hip and foot coordination, a pinch of Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Michael Buble's voice, and he's made something fabulous out of the mix, just belonging to himself. It was hard to get past his amazing sense of humor, incredible music, and fabulous band to figure out what it was that stood out to me the most. Something, but what was it? And then while watching him sing, I knew what it was. He was his true self. Sean was displaying a genuine, unique presence. He believed in himself, his band, his music, and us as the audience. We loved it, and we loved him. So it's my privilege today to introduce fun, witty, and completely one-of-a-kind Sean Johnson from the Sean Johnson Big Band Experience. Sean Johnson Big Band Experience fuses a big band spirit with an inventive edge, More risky than Buble, more modern than Sinatra, Sean, and Emmy Award-winning crooner and lead singer of the internationally known vocal group Tonic, Sofa, stamps vocal jazz and swing with a contemporary punch. Sean, I am so excited to have you here. I'm just feeling like I'm a groupie myself. This is Sean Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. After an introduction like that, people always say you have a big head, and now (laughs) I... Maybe I'm going to get one. Yeah, you're going to have to take a bow and leave the room. How about that, huh? <laughs> so, Sean, wow. tell our listeners how you got started with your band and fusing together music from yesterday and today into this crazy, fabulous big band style. Well, it was sort of a happy accident in some ways. I toured uh, with Tonic Solva, as you mentioned. They're an acapella group, and we've been doing that for about 15 years. And when the other gentlemen in the group were on a break... And I wanted to sort of stay out on the road. I also wanted to do something for some charitable organizations that had asked me, you know, what could you do? Could you give us CDs? Could you come and visit? And one of my friends suggested, why don't you do a show for him? But I'm like, I can't do a show, obviously, by myself. The other guys are home, as I mentioned, with their families and such. And I always loved Big Ben, and I always had wanted to try to do like a show, maybe a Christmas show or a show at a church or something like this to do. Uh, a show with the big band style, so I thought, why not both feet jump in and start the big band experience? So we started to raise money for charity, and it completely grew past my expectations in a short time, and here we stand. 
uh, it's just so, so fun to me because you guys just make it fun. The whole experience um, just kind of wraps around you and, and makes you feel good about life. So when you look back at your own life, what are some personality gifts, talents, traits that were developed to make you who you are today on stage? That is a good question. I think in some ways I have to I have to at least mention my parents who instilled in all my brothers and sisters myself that you're going to have to work hard. We always had chores and jobs. I lived on a farm, so of course there was much to do. And I think the hard work is part of it, knowing that it's just not going to come easy. Uh, and I think also to have the people around you that um, I don't have all of the answers. So that's another thing to I guess listen to the people that are in your tribe or on your team, and whether it's musicians in the group who have great ideas or whether it's the people that help you market or bring an idea to fruition, I have a team around me, some people that are super close and some people are only involved in one instance, but uh, I definitely try to listen to those people and try to find uh, a team that is loyal and supportive. So do you have anybody in your family that's funny like you, Sean? Because, you know, when <laughs> when we were like right there, smack dab in the front row, I mean, how like crazy for all of us, because I felt like we were breathing down your neck, although we were cheering and, you know, rah rah Yes. So there you were. And you're funny because I remember you asking people um, how many people here know Frank Sinatra, you know, and then you you just have this quick wit. So you said, oh, great. Two people. Well, Frank is from what did you say? Spicer, Spicer, Minnesota. And of course, you're just funny the whole way through, which makes it so enjoyable. Sometimes you can go to a concert, listen to somebody, and they're just an incredible, phenomenal musician, but not really good with, you know, presenting it. But you're great at both of them. And part of it's your funny wit. So I know you can't be funny spontaneously, there's the word, but tell me, (laughs) um, did you have a family? I mean, did you have a family that was funny or a mom or a dad, or is it just how God wired you? Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, I have to say, it might be the God wiring me part, because I think my family um, are very interesting. I don't know if any of them would say they're comedians. I I think of myself not very funny at all. Funny looking, maybe, (laughs) but funny, I don't know. I, I do think in some ways, touring with Tonic Solfo, the acapella group I mentioned, you had to find some way to reach people because we started out doing colleges. And if you're in the middle of West Virginia and six people are watching you, you've got to do something more than just sing your song. Exactly. And I think we would then have to entertain at a, a festival between a punk group and a rap group. And you would be singing acapella, of course. And you had to figure out how we're going to get our crowd. And you do corporate shows that might be, um, you know, tons of people who just found out their last four quarters weren't as good as they thought they were. Mm, and they're like, oh, I'm those people. So sometimes I think I had to find a way because people have always said I am very introverted, but on stage I, I don't feel that way. I feel I feel in some ways I. I can be myself on stage. I'm not sure why. I think it's harder for me in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but on stage, I just, I guess, I guess I just feel like uh, a certain freedom that I don't have otherwise. And the comedy part, I don't, I don't know. I would like to think I'm funny, but uh, I don't know if my wife would agree with you or, or really any of my friends. But, but let's go with that. Let's just 
Okay. Super funny. Or, right, or we'll, maybe we'll, we'll put that rumor out there. Yes, we'll, absolutely. We'll maybe the funny guy. Maybe someday we'll just bring a crowd to the front door. You can greet us, be funny, and then your wife will see it firsthand. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I want to have her listen to this interview for sure. Oh, great. For our Iowa listeners, tell us about your experience with going to Clarinda, Iowa with the fabulous Glenn Miller days. Yeah, we uh, we did that a few years ago, and it was uh, such a learning experience for me because, you know, I recognize some of the names, and I, and I know uh, some of the major players in sort of the big band era that was, but to really kind of hear about some of the others that had come to uh, make big band famous that they celebrated in Clarinda, and then myself being from Iowa, a little town called Algona, I was somewhat familiar with it, so to play at it was an honor. And um, I just, I felt right at home. Everyone there was so excited about uh, music in general. So it was a fantastic thing to do. And there have been many moments throughout sort of our career that stick out to me for one reason or another. And and that is definitely one of them. Mm, That makes me feel so happy. Before the concert in Wilmer, Sean, you met a handful of us. And here's what I loved about you that is so different from the typical performing musician. You asked each one of us questions. You specifically connected with us, and you were really authentic. You were very real and different from today's people who, you know, I was just on the airplane with the newsboys, and although they were, you know, smiling and nice, they just didn't want to talk to people. But yet you (laughs) made everybody feel valuable, and I realized that, you know, your personality is such, and you're building your platform, you're gathering up you know, crazy people like me that want to tell the whole world how great you are. But I'm just wondering, where did you learn to do that? And is it part of who you are? Or, you know, why do you feel like people are valuable? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, it's nice of you to say. It's definitely something I do consider uh, incredibly important. And again, maybe it's the the wiring, as you mentioned before. I'm not sure. I would like to not, uh, you know, say either, either it's my parents or it's how you grew up. I mean, I did grow up in a small town where everyone knows everybody. I think that helps in some ways. Um, I also think that it's my, the best, most enjoyable part of every time that we step on stage or sing is meeting people. Like, I love to sing. I sing all the time. It doesn't matter if I was a singer or not. But I love meeting people. Like, when we go places, it's something I like to do. I like to meet people in restaurants. I like to meet people on a battlefield in Pennsylvania when we stop to see a Civil War memorial. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Um, and I always say in the show that I want to meet people because it is amazing how people rush off or, you know, they've got things to do. And I understand everybody's got a busy life. But for me, um, I don't know, it gets me out of my show. I find out about people. I went to a gentleman, I don't remember who it was, but it was on TV. And, um, you know, he would just interview different people and find out interesting things. And I think I've even mentioned that to to you and to others that it was so cool because everyone who thinks they don't have a story does have a story. That's right, they do. And you know, and it just it makes it so important. I, mean, I was reading about your story actually, which was like, you know, it's pretty incredible. Like moving a church and putting it on. There you go. <laughs> yes. So yeah, all those things. Just like, and if you just met you, you might defer to others and listen to them and be the, you know the kind person you seem to be, and. They would never know that about you. They would mm. have no idea. And not that that one instance defines your life, but obviously it says a lot about the direction that you want to take and the things mm. you want to do. That's right. And so yeah. I would hope that people, um, whether they liked me or not, whether they liked the music or not, they would say, 
what you just said. That means a lot to me because I think they would say, you know, he seemed like he cared or he was mm-hmm. interested in doing something bigger than him and, and exactly. that others were more important than him. Yeah. And that's, I hope that's true. <laughs> yes, definitely. And that's what I think is a really great, different piece about what you're doing and who you and your band are, because it's not just such an interesting, unique blend of music, but it really is a representation of you guys standing out to me because you were very real, you were authentic, you cared. And I think that's so important today. So let's talk about your music because I'm excited about it. We're going to air some right in the show today. We're going to put you in the mix to play on our stations here. And, and we're just Thank happy. You. Yeah, we're happy about who you are and you're, and you're kind of just a, a neat brand. So you take fabulous retro music like Frank Sinatra's Can I Steal a Little Love and What'll I Do? And you make it your own. And you take current music like Michael Buble's Haven't Met You Yet or Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, and make those your own. So what draws you to a song, and then who arranges that for the band? Well, that's a really good question. I think what draws me to any song is that I think I can bring something new to it. There are a lot of songs I love, but I listen to and think, I, I can't do anything with this. I can't, um, I can't figure out a way to put my own individual stamp on it. And I think it also has to move me. Like Almost everything in a song to me is about emotion. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like overwrought standing on a stage and you know, shedding a tear each night. I mean like this actually means something to me. I think so many times people say they sing or they paint or they write poetry or they do whatever and they lose themselves for a little bit. And that is definitely me. I mean, I have woken up basically, not literally, at the end of a of a show and just been like, okay, I really don't remember much about that. And I think sometimes you forget where you are in a song. It just means something to me even if I didn't write it, um, even if I wasn't there when it was first produced or first made. but So it has to have some emotion. I think all those songs have emotion. Arrangement-wise, some of the arrangements are myself, but a lot of them I look for professionals when we're doing big bands because I would have no idea how to arrange for horns and such, or when we're doing an orchestra even more. And that has been arrangements I have found accidentally. Some I've used and been like, okay, you know, I like it, but it maybe didn't capture what we'd hoped. And some arrangers I work with all the time on particular songs, they're from all over the country, really. Some young guys, some guys that arranged for, you know, people that you would know, notable, famous people. Um, and we just kind of base that on relationships. You know, you talk about a song, you talk about what you're hoping to do with it, hoping to get out of it. And then um, a lot of times out of those conversations comes this piece that has your imprint and their imprint and then, of course, the band. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel, feel that people are responding to this different style of music that, you know, you're reintroducing back with um, society again? What makes you feel connected to it? How do you think people are responding? I mean, you talked about emotions, so we kind of get that. It has to move you. Do you feel like your audience is responding to them? I do. It's interesting. I, you know, without sounding, um, you know, odd or something, I, I think with, my day job. A lot of times when we're done with a show, it's based very much on entertainment and, um, you know, we would like to think art, but when we're done with shows for years, I think you kind of go, like, oh, it's a great job and we really like it and, you know, we're big fans and it's good. I have to say as big band, it's a completely different reaction, which I was not prepared for. There is a lot more of people who, like I've never had uh, people come up and say, like, um, visibly moved and say, you know, we're so excited that somebody is bringing this music back, or 
we haven't heard this music for so long. And even though I didn't know all of your songs, I, you know, so appreciate it. My wife and I just, you know, fell in love again. Or it's just all these really, um, I guess, emotionally based responses. And that's something that I'm not going to take credit for that. I'm not going to say, oh, that's totally because of how great we did. But it's just a different response. And the band notices, I notice. I'm not exactly sure why that is. Um, I would like to think, I mean, I've seen so many wonderful tribute groups to that era. I've seen uh, tons of people who sing Frank Sinatra songs, tons of people who are the Rat Pack, and that is something I just absolutely did not want to do. I mean, the people that do that is great, and they're really good at it. But for me, kind of what you said, I'm like, this music, you know, was really big in the 40s and into the early 50s and, and somewhat of the 30s, but... It was such a positive music. It was a time when there was the Depression, when there was wars. Um, you know, not really that dissimilar than today. Mm-hmm. And it is something that, as much as people want to bring that back, I want to bring it back in a new way. I want to do something where, um, like I said, my biggest compliment in some ways is, like, I didn't know any of these songs, and I love Big Band, and I love you. So yeah. I just think, well, that's cool. I'm that's doing my job. Exactly. <laughs> I'm doing it like that. I think people seem to be responding to the style of music, and they're just hearing it, hopefully, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Listeners, Sean is a great example of delivering who you are and being really real to those around you, whether it's just that authenticity with your family or with an audience attending your event. The Sean Johnson Big Band experience has talent, and they're fun. So let's take a listen to this old Sinatra song, Can I Steal a Little Love, from the Sean Johnson Big Band Experience CD, Called What'll I Do? Can I steal a little love? Can I steal a little love? Cool me, honey, I'm on fire. To steal your love is my desire. Hug me, squeeze me till I'm red. Till my eyes bug out my head. Cool me, woo me, turtle dove. And why do I dig it like I do? If I should steal a little kiss, you can prove that it was wrong. Hey, I'll give it back to you. Tell me, honey, with a smile, I can walk you down the aisle. I won't even need a shove. Can I just grab a little love? Can I steal a little love? Can I just steal a little love? Cool me, honey, I'm on fire To steal your love is my desire So hug me, squeeze me till I'm red Till those eyes, they bug out my head Cool me, woo me, turtle dove Can I grab a little love? Crazy. Oh, and why do I dig it like I do? If I should steal a little kiss, you can prove that it was wrong. Hey, I'll give it back to you. Tell me, honey, with a smile. Hey, I can walk you down the aisle.
as a creative performer, is there anything that scares you? Uh, you know, I think in the in the wee hours of the morning, I think sometimes if you're going to try your hardest, you're going to be you. You're going to, as they say, wear your heart on your sleeve. Um, you're going to sing from somewhere deep inside. You're going to try to relate experiences that you think are important. You're going to try to meet people with your best self forward. And then at the end of the day, if nobody cares, that's a fear, I really? think. Um, wow. Okay. I don't find that to be true necessarily, but I think even even things that, that aren't true, you sometimes still worry about. And I, I sometimes worry about that because it really is you raw in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And most people, they, they protect themselves in some way. You have baggage that surrounds you. You've got some sort of, you know, rips in your heart or you've got something. And I'm not saying I don't, but I kind of just put that all out there. And so definitely sometimes I think, well, I put that all out there. And in the end, people just like, eh, doesn't doesn't move me. So we're talking in this episode about embracing and being your real self to others. And the thing that I really like about you is, is you know, we talk to a bunch of different artists. We've talked to all kinds of worship artists. We've talked to regular everyday people. Um, we've had great people on the show, and, and everybody's very unique. But the thing that I really like about you, Sean, and your big band experience is that you're completely different. I mean, you're just, you were really fun. So, you know, my <laughs> listeners are going to say, okay, we have to buy the CD now because what's fun about them, right? So your direction was unique, and you come across portraying confidence with this interesting style that you have. For someone listening out there, somebody who is feeling like they can't be real with others because they don't want people to really know who they are for fear of rejection. What would you tell them? Because when you are on stage, you're just giving it all. You know, you're really who you are. Yeah, I think that it would go back a little bit to me. Again, you could come up with a thousand different reasons and a thousand answers to that. But for me personally, whether it helps anyone or not, I don't know. Um, It is finding just a very few people or very few things um, that support you, that are that are loyal to you. Um, I think that can be people. I think that can be um, institutions. I think that can be a lot of different things. But um, in some ways, for me, when things are the toughest, I don't think that you can just pull it out of yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, if it's God, if it's the people that um, are you, that you love or your family or whatever it might be, or probably all of those, all the above. I think you need your own uh, small team. Uh, Again, find the people that matter, find the people that you matter to, and then I think it's much easier to be yourself or your true self or to put it out there and and fail and still be uh, picked up or at least helped in that way. Um, We had a producer one time tell us in a whole different sort of way, but I think it fits... He said, look, you're going to go out there and sing, and there's 300 million people in America at the time, 300 million people, and it only basically takes a million to make this album platinum. That was his And uh, he's like, so if the other 299 million people hate you and don't like what you do, who cares? There <laughs> so, you go. That was his kind of Going on that, I, I sort of agree in some ways. Like, you got to find your people. Is everyone mm-hmm. going to love Big Band? Is everyone going to love you? Is everyone going to think you're you know great or you're doing the right thing? Probably not. But um, 
But for me, I just find the people that do. I mean, we find the people that do love. And it, it's crazy because I know some people, again, uh, social media is so crazy. It's like, oh, I have a million fans or 10 million fans. And I sometimes think it's more important to just get um, a few fans, friends, or people that really believe in you than a million people who tomorrow will exactly. you know, turn yeah. to something else. That That is so very, very true. Sean, thank you so much for being here with us today. Friends, you're going to want to purchase Sean's CDs, and you're going to need to get tickets for upcoming events. So check out, go online to www.bigbandexperience.com, and you can purchase his tunes there or download them on iTunes. And you're listening to your friend Kathy Weckworth, who really does believe in Sean Johnson and his incredible team. So, Sean, thanks again for being here with us, and blessings to you as you're taking taken on this fabulous role, leading people to remember great kinds of music from the past and making it fresh and new. Kathy, thank you. It was a huge pleasure. Thank you so much. The greatest example of someone who was really, truly authentic is Jesus Christ. He was real, even to the end, when in some of his last words he stated, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We only have one life, friends. We have one opportunity to figure out who we are and understand our gifts, put them in use, and be ourselves to help others. What makes us real? The truth. Telling the truth, not hiding. Remember when the old boyfriend was embarrassed I was singing? He told the truth. Remember me singing? I wasn't embarrassed. I acted out of the truth. Well-known pastor Chuck Swindoll states this, I know of nothing more valuable when it comes to the all-important virtue of authenticity than simply being who you are. Let me pray with you today. Dear Jesus, help us to be authentic and real. Help us not to hide and be resistant to helping others because we're embarrassed or afraid people will not like us. Help us to be who you've created us to be and to use our gifts and talents for your purposes to encourage others to build into others, and to serve you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes, and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best. Be